0: lemon pepper parlay is presented for the people by caesar sportsbook the greatest sports betting app of all time download it must be 21 or older that's right it's another edition of the lemon pepper parlay podcast a football edition mark Gunnel's my co-host here just a kid from kansas city and i'll be honest Maybe the best product that we've seen out of Kansas City this year. It's been a rough one for the Chiefs over the last couple of days. Uh, that was an ugly performance on, uh, what was that, Sunday Night Football just recently, but uh, not quite as ugly as your performance in Week 13 against the spread, Mark. Oof. How you doing today, pal? <laughs> that was a nasty intro. <laughs> Hilarious, dude. You <Like,
1: laughs> have one great week and I have one bad week all year. Now it's Like, that's crazy. (laughs) This isn't my one grade. We got a good week last week. too. I'm talking about, like, the combination of me having a bad week and you having a good week at the same time.
0: That is true. This is is your first clunker. I've just been going two games under 500 every week (laughs) since week 10. But like I said, like I said, as the leaves started to change everywhere but here because we're in Los Angeles and there are no leaves. It's just palm trees. As the leaves started to change is when I turn up. Like Bill Belichick says, the season starts in November, right around Thanksgiving, and that's when I hit my stride. Eight and three and one against the spread. And let me just talk about that one for a moment before we get into the vibe check. Because how in the hell do the New England Patriots not find a way to score a single point to cover a six-point line? That's ridiculous. Ridiculous that the Chargers it closed at five and a half. We played it at six. But it's absurd that the Chargers were able to kick two field goals and cover five and a half. That's that. It's not quite a bad beat, but it ain't a good win either. You can't feel good about it if you had the Chargers. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that, that was sad. I know you saw that that drop
1: by Quentin Johnston. That would have had him in field goal range. They, My boy would be trying to catch it with his elbows, bro. <laughs> if he catches that, they, they win nine nothing, and you would have got a clear spot. Uh, Cover there, not the, uh, the push that we actually got. So I mean, I got that as well. So it was definitely unfortunate. That was like, taking the <laughs> Patriots. I
0: was like, it's the Chargers. Who are the Chargers to like six anywhere? And turns out they only needed was two field goals to get it done. Oh uh, well, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. How about that? you know the Patriots have given up less than I think less than 10 points in each game in the last three weeks? Oh and three. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible.
1: Who has the worst offense, the Patriots or the Jets?
0: I, Patriots. I think the Patriots. Okay. The Patriots don't have anybody on the offensive roster like Garrett Wilson. Nor Brees Hall.
1: Okay. I mean, yeah, sure. I, I, I asked that, though, but because I, I looked up the numbers the other day just for, out of curiosity. Would you? Would I interest you in telling you that the Patriots have five more total touchdowns than the Jets all year, more passing yards, and more rushing yards than
0: the Jets? That doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, but like, if you had to ask me which 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 group of which team would I rather do battle with, I'd rather probably be a Jet. Like, honest, but the quarterbacks are just so bad across the board. Yeah, like. People talk about bad quarterbacks, like quarterbacks are down. Like some of them are just terrible. That's what the problem is. <laughs> like they're just terrible.
1: Some of them but, how did they even make it to the NFL? Like how does Tim Boyle, how do you make it to the NFL? Look at his college resume. I didn't understand how he like became an NFL quarterback.
0: You had friends in high places and that friend's name was Aaron Rodgers. Okay. That's how it happened.
1: Oh, okay. okay.
0: Yeah. Pays to know people, I suppose. Yeah. Tim Boyle was never supposed to be in that position,
1: and I guess that 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 is the reason why you text me every week about the Alabama quarterback.
0: <laughs> what about him? He's good. I like him. I oh, think he's like, good. The rest of the I'm country sure hates him for he, some reason.
1: You still push back on me for what I said like eight weeks ago. Is he an SEC quarterback?
0: <laughs> All he did was win the SEC. That's it. Yeah. And real now, you, as a you result, real
1: quick, just real briefly, like go how did for you know it about the. How the playoffs shook out with Florida State being left out. What's your take on
0: that? A, it's crazy to think that you can go thirteen and zero in a Power Five conference and not make the playoff. B, Florida State could have played their way in. I should say one and two, not A and B. Like they're not alternating facts. These are all just these are my these are my thoughts. Florida State could have played their way in, had their uh, had their uh. Quarter had their off. They could if they had beaten Louisville sixty to fifteen or something like that, like hung like forty points offensively. They'd be in the playoff. They could have played their way in, and they didn't. Also, Florida State was dancing through the raindrops a lot of the year. Like they barely almost lost to Boston College. They had a couple other ACC games that were scary, and like they it's tough. Honestly, I think that the biggest argument is if you're going to rank Georgia number one the entire season and not move it. And say, like, they're the number one team in college football and they lose their championship game to Alabama. I don't see how they're out. <laughs> like, they're the number one team. They dropped all the way out to four. Uh, I, So but I was in a scenario, I was thinking we were going to see two SEC teams in as opposed to none. I mean, as opposed to one rather, I should say. But. Me and Eddie were talking about this. Alabama is not necessarily the the powerhouse that they have been in years past. Georgia, I mean, obviously they lost to Alabama. So, But I wasn't big on Georgia all year. You know what I'm saying? But if you're going to keep them at number one, then something has to happen. And so I think really the reality is we should have seen more shuffling at the top of the rankings prior to conference championship Saturday. And if we had, we would have seen things be a little different, I think. You know, I, I think people would have and or this outcome would have been a lot more palatable than it would have been. Otherwise, nobody's crying like that, you know, that some other you know, there's other schools that could lay like, claim to have like Florida State or Georgia. But like nobody's really crying for them except for Florida State fans. And then Michigan fans who wanted to play Florida State in the first round, as opposed to playing the greatest college football coach of all time.
1: Your boys look scared when they announced that you were going to have to play Alabama, man. We got to stop. We got
0: to stop with this. We have to stop with Ann Arbor. We have to stop with this this, this terrible trash narrative. If you were expecting like a lot of people were expecting is not like, I know it's revisionist history now, but prior to 9 a.m. Pacific time on Saturday or Sunday, rather, when those rankings came out, there was a cavalcade of people who were clamoring that Florida state, Deserve to be in the playoff. Florida State should have been in the playoff. Florida State's the fourth state. Need to be the fourth seed. Need to be the fourth seed. You're sitting there watching this TV show, and you expect to see Florida State pop up, and instead you see Alabama, yeah, you will probably be like, hmm, interesting. But there's a month to go between now and then, talking about, well, they're scared of this and that. Like, I don't believe that, honestly, if you've paid attention to Michigan all this year, I don't think that they're scared of anything, quite honestly, after all the quote unquote adversity, some of it made up, some of it actual, that, that Michigan has gone through this season. Like I I said, this: if there's, if they're act, if they're actually scared, I'd be surprised. That doesn't fit the narrative of this team, like across the board is, there's some big bullies. Like they, this is a team that ran the ball 30 times in a row on the number one run defense in the nation. Like that's the, I just have trouble stomaching that they're like, oh my god, now we gotta play Alabama, it's over with. That that they leave that for people like me.
1: We're just having fun, Martin. You don't gotta get in your panties in a bunch. Just a fun joking thing to talk about. Nobody really thinks Michigan is scared. Okay. If you guys don't know, Martin is a Michigan alum, by the way. And I, yes, they do. <laughs> the amount of tweets. Do people really, actually, truly, in their heart of hearts,
0: believe Michigan is scared of Alabama? I hundred percent do. Eddie is more tapped in in college football than I am. Eddie, do you? I feel like that is the prevailing sentiment. Is like Michigan is is scared to play Alabama.
1: I think online people have said that, but I I think if you're watching all year long, I don't think Michigan is anything really to worry about. I mean, Alabama, like besides flipping back to the quarterback, struggling versus USF, struggling versus Auburn, needing a miracle to win that game. They're one big out-of-conference test, lost to Texas. Not, uh, you know, This is not the, your Alabama team of all, whereas Michigan's defense is great, offensive line's great, running game is great, and McCarthy is a veteran in the game in college, and uh, I would trust him to manage all expectations. So I think Michigan's in a good spot here.
0: So there you have it. But I do think online, the, on X, The overwhelming sentiment is, ooh, Michigan got to play the big, bad Crimson Tide, which, yeah, yes, yes, I'll say it. Hand up. I would have rather played Florida State and their second string quarterback. Yeah, I would have rather played Florida State and Jordan Travis because when Jordan Travis broke his leg, they were down, I think, 14 to 3 against South, no, North Alabama.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, at the time. Yeah, before we get back to the NFL though, uh, Eddie did just kind of bring it up. None of this is a talking point if it wasn't for fourth and 31, like our fourth and goal from the 31 yard line I mean, against Auburn. Wow. If they go on to actually, let's say, win the national championship, I mean, that play is going to rank. Where is that going to rank at all time? Like, that's incredible. I it's already
0: one of the best plays in our history. Oh, up yeah, there with the kick six, like- 100%.
1: But the, the legend grows even more if they actually go on to win the whole damn thing. And we uh, boy was that a Sunday throw. Who? <laughs> you want to talk some some NFL about Sunday?
0: Sure. So yeah. I saw your clip uh, with uh, you and our fearless leader, Toby Mergler on Trendy. How you doing in Trendy, by the way? I saw uh, you I'm end up uh, Zion over 24 and a half. That didn't work out.
1: Yeah. Pelicans money line, they won. But yeah, I
0: definitely didn't. Zion
1: had a dud in that game.
0: Are you are you up? Are you down? Is he going to beat you? Are you going to win? Because we just had the trendy tournament of champions over Thanksgiving break. And uh, with, with me, uh, Eddie Spaghetti and, and Dave Damoschek.
1: Well, I'm in a good spot as of right now because he had, I believe he had both quarterbacks in that Monday night game, throwing at least one touchdown and one pick. And neither happened, I believe. So,
0: yeah, no, I don't think that happened. And but no, Browning definitely didn't throw an interception. Yeah. Uh, well, you can check that out wherever your podcasts are sold. That's trendy. Mark will be on there for the rest of the week, I imagine, seeing as that's how the game is played. But uh, yeah, so check that one out. Uh, Mark, we want to start off with your good vibes. Yeah. I want to go to the Green Bay Packers. Jordan Love is him. Go ahead. Wow, you know me very well. Um, (laughs) Is that what you're about to say
1: for real? No, I mean, I am going with the Packers for my good vibes this week. How can I not? That's crazy. It's bittersweet, obviously, because it happened against the Chiefs this week. But it's good for my um, before the season analysis. And, you know, you kind of dragged a little bit saying I said Jordan Love should have the with jacket. No,
0: no, 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 no. That's a quote from you. You said he's next uh, up. Uh, it's It's all recorded. But, well, I didn't it's say, okay, but I recorded.
1: OK, just because he's next doesn't me, I think he's going to have a gold jacket. I just think he's going to be a really good quarterback in this league for a very long time. Uh, and I, I think I'm starting to feel validated over the past month or so of football. Um, the guy looks very comfortable in the pocket. You could tell he's uh, I believe he's one of the top quarterbacks actually in the league against the Blitz so far this year. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure I saw that number. Um, he's really efficient. The guy, even on the run, too, I mean, he doesn't really seem rattled. You know, I hate to say it, but he does kind of look like Rodgers sometimes. Like, when he, like, his mannerisms on the field, his body stature, the way he throws the football, like, it does. He does kind of look like him at times. I'm not saying he's Aaron Rodgers, but, like, the style of play does kind of look similar at times. So, I mean, maybe you sitting behind him for, I don't know, 10 years. You you learn a thing or (laughs) two. You know, maybe. So, I mean, how can you not say that they have a good vibes, man? This is a team that was left for dead about a month ago. I think we had them for our bad vibes a couple of times. I think me and you both did. Sure. So, for the fact that they went from that to where they are now, you look at the remaining schedule, they don't play a team with a winning record uh, the, the rest of the way. So, I think it's pretty safe to say this team would probably be a, a wild card team in the NFC.
0: My good vibes, I'm going to go to, like, a sneaky coach of the year, honestly, if things play out the way that they could. You're doing Sean McVay. I know it. Oh, no. No. Oh, no. Okay. this kid, But I will say this. This team, I, I think the Rams are going to kind of come back down to earth a little bit um, in, in December, come January. But the uh, the Indianapolis Colts have scored over 20 points every game. Just about if maybe they I know that was true through like November 15. So maybe they have not I'm not. But I wrote this team off just about when they lost to the Saints because you lost to the Saints. Right. <laughs> Since then, they swept November and it's with with stick and glue. Like it doesn't make much sense how they're able to do it. They're missing guys all over the place. Jonathan Taylor in and out of the lineup. Anthony Richardson. Was the first starting quarterback to go down for the rest of the season, I believe. You know, and Gardner Minshew and all of his jeans, shorts, and long hair and figuring it all out. But every time I watch this team, they're doing something offensively that I'm like, huh, that was neat. And they're seven and five right now. And everybody, myself included, has had big eyes on the Houston Texans. But guess what? Colts are right there they are right there and then pretty much every argument that you can make for the Texans to make the playoffs outside of the fact that they have CJ Stroud like but in terms of record and opposing opponents coming up like it's all true for Indianapolis as well and getting that win over Tennessee pretty much cemented that this team is going to be one that if they can continue to win you know you know a few more games they're right there sniffing the playoffs and i would after all the injuries, you lose your starting quarterback week three. Like I'm not thinking that's the case and yeah. a rookie head coach.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned Houston. They actually play each other week 18. I have a feeling that game is going to have some high playoff implications there. And depending on what Trevor Lawrence and how that works out, maybe it could be for the
0: division at was this point. I about to say that game might be for the South, which is, yeah. I, huh? Like, I just, like I, I thought the I thought the Texans you know I, by about late September early October I was like okay this is different this is a way different team now with CJ at the helm the Colts I was I, I had a blind eye I did not see it coming yeah I totally totally agree uh
1: for bad vibes I think this is a first for me I'm going for bad vibes for a team that actually won <laughs> and that's the Atlanta Falcons. i mean uh outside of that game in new england this was right there just maybe a little bit better if you want to use the word better i don't it seems kind of nasty saying that word for uh, this game but uh the falcons beat the jets 13 to 8 um just the continuation of the frustration for me is i like this roster i really like this roster I think they're going to win the South, but this is not how I thought they were going to win the South, but maybe I should have because Desmond Ritter is still the quarterback, but maybe I was being naive and thinking, you know, year two, he has some weapons around him. You got Bijan in there. You have a good defense, you know, maybe we see some improvement and I I, I'm just not seeing it at all. It's really frustrating when you see a roster and you know, it's clearly being held back by the quarterback and, Yeah, they're going to win the South by default, but it's just frustrating because I don't know where they go from here. You know, you're going to win eight, nine games. I mean, are you going to trade up to get a quarterback or what are you going to do? Like, I just don't know because Ritter's not the future.
0: Uh, My bad vibe. No, Ritter's not the future. He's probably not even the present, but (laughs) my bad vibes are going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Every year, they lose a home game. To a team that's absolutely terrible, that they absolutely should not lose to. And this was the one 14 to 10, two weather delays, and then one of the ugliest games you can see. You lose your starting quarterback, Kenny Pickett. And you know, realistically, the AFC North wide open due to some of the injuries that we had seen, and and you know, Pittsburgh's terrible offense. You know, I know Jake Browning looked good yesterday, but you know, let's we'll see how we'll see how that goes. I saw him earlier this year; he looked terrible. I'm not doing a Josh Dobbs thing again. Like I, you know, these backup quarterbacks were backups, and Dave Damashek be damned. I don't believe the difference the quarterback says, though,
1: that he does training. have the best receiving core in the league, though.
0: Yeah, that's that is one of the things uh, I I wrote it in my newsletter. The last one I wrote, I was like, you would like to see Cincinnati score more than ten points with the offensive talent that they have around them. So, yeah, so I did. That's what part of the reason why I picked the Bengals to cover on Monday night was thinking that you know Jamar Chase is him. He's always <laughs> like open. He, he's always open. And he I, we were talking about this earlier in the in the in the season. He to me has like what dominating running backs used to have. That's the quality of this you give the ball to him, he will get four yards. You know what I'm saying? Like, he will fall forward. He makes – the defense has to feel him and account for him on a standard on a regular basis, and it just opens up so much for everybody else that – you know, and I'm not just trying to take away credit from everybody, but, yeah, like, I'm in on Jamar Chase as that type of difference maker on an offense. And you know what? You saw it yesterday. (laughs) You saw it yesterday as he went nuts.
1: Yeah, 100%, 100%. Uh, for my bad vibes, well, ugly vibes, actually. I, I mean, I may be still in your thunder here, but how can I not say the Saints?
0: I feel like we've you been know, down
1: this one again. I just uh, did
0: a whole yeah. diatribe on the extra points. You could also find that wherever your podcast yeah. are so. Extra points with Damashek and uh, the ultra-funny Sarah Tiana, in which I was, uh, yeah, I agree. Go ahead, I agree.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if you're going to use a different team just to say just to be different because it's so easy to go through the Saints for you. But, um, I mean, you know where we got to begin here with the whole Derek Carr situation. And nobody knows it better than you. Like we say every single week, I have to concede. You were 100% right all summer uh, that you hated this move. It it was a, quote, unquote, win now move, right? And they're not winning. (laughs) And now Derek Carr is injured.
0: And Second stuck, time this year.
1: Yeah, and you're stuck with that contract for the next, what, three years? Is that what it is?
0: Uh, it's a three-year deal, so the next two years, because mercifully, this one's almost over.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I just don't see how they get better moving forward. And it's and this is always the team that's, you know, $100 million over the cap, and, like, you always wonder, like, how do they always get under? Like, it happens, like, every single year with the Saints. It's actually incredible, but... You know, they're in a bad situation. The reason
0: why they're able to get under it all the time is because they end up adding these extra void years onto contracts. Like if you look at the Saints defense, almost every player has a void year in his contract. But the only problem is, is when you void those years, like if you let's say they want to cut like Cam Jordan, for example, it's going to cost them like triple what it would you just pay him because of all the void years in the cap. And I don't know exactly the numbers, but I do know that's why Derek Carr's cap hit is $63 million, $63 million. Goodness
1: gracious. Wow. Are you going somewhere else for the ugly or are you staying there?
0: My ugly vibes. I'm going to two teams, the Chargers and the Patriots, because both of them should be ashamed. (laughs) Both of them should be embarrassed. That was one of the most disgusting displays of football you'll ever see in your life. The fact that the, the Patriots charged people to sit in the stands and watch that game in the cold, in the in, in the Northeast, I can't even imagine what the temperature was out there. I got a hoodie on in L.A. Yeah, that, and it's a good thing that Brandon Staley was able to coach against this Patriots offense because it made him look good for the first time in a long time, made him look good. But, I mean, six points against this Patriots team that is just, like, historically bad offensively. You had so many cracks at it. And, you know, this is also part of the reason a lot of people are tagging Belichick to the Chargers, Belichick to the Chargers. I don't know, man. Like, this Chargers team, we talk about, everybody says how talented they are. We had that discussion a few weeks ago. It was like. Are they that talented or do we just know their names? You know what I'm saying? Like how many different, like, you know, Keenan Allen can start anywhere. But after that, I think it's a short list, you know? So I'm going with both the Chargers and the Patriots, two teams that I thought would have been better. I mean, obviously I didn't think the Patriots would be the worst team in football, exclamation point. And uh, the Chargers were expected to some people as, as, as soon as, Week nine, we're talking about the Chargers are going to go on a run.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, very, very embarrassing. Um, I'm glad they won just because I'm selfish as a Chiefs fan. I want them like, somehow make the playoffs and, like, keep Staley around. Yeah, I know it's not going to happen. But, yeah, man, 6 to nothing, bro. And the sh- bad part about it is, since we're out here in L.A., that's, like, one of the games that was – televised out here so you're forced to watch that game <laughs> I'm like I was, this is so brutal this is so brutal uh, obviously I had other devices going on so I wasn't just focused on that game but it was even disgusting that that was even part of my my, viewing, my viewership this past
0: weekend <laughs> do you do you know I actually I know you do know I know you know this but the rest of the world may not the joy and leap of celebration that I took off of my couch watching Sunday night football when Jonathan Owens hit Patrick Mahomes going out of bounds. And then the extreme outrage when they threw that flag, I was, they, my neighbors would have called the police if I didn't live in Hollywood and there wasn't something screaming every every half an hour. I promise you I was screaming bloody murder at the television. And I tweeted it at the time. This flag is anti football. And I know I heard, I saw your little clip where you like it evened out with Pacheco punching the guy. No, it should have never evened out because he was so far inbounds that Jonathan Owens, Mr. Simone Biles, was able to acrobatically put his other foot inbounds. <laughs> he cut him off to the sideline and it was ridiculous. And I'm just glad. Because you know it, ever since the NF AFC championship game against the Titans, when Mahomes did a little pirouette and tightroped his way up the sideline, he the entire league has just neglected to hit him. And finally, somebody did. Finally, somebody did. You see what happened to the rest of the NFL? They won. The team that hit him won. Do it again. It's football.
1: I'm surprised you didn't text me. That happened actually.
0: Now that you bring it up, I was I so didn't want to, I didn't want to make it seem like I was rubbing salt, you know, cause <laughs> I I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be salty because the rest of the timeline was doing it for me. they said, you are the reason that the chiefs lost because you're ducking your mentions. What say you?
1: No, I wasn't. I was waiting to, for this episode. Cause I knew you were going to okay. bring all, all the stuff to light. So I was waiting for today. That's all. Um, but since, as you are such a proponent of guys actually playing football and hitting Patrick Mahomes, are you worried now the fact that somebody actually did hit him and they still got flagged? And
0: they sh- they shouldn't have. You no, know I actually was worried. I thought Mahomes was a little concussed. Like he got up and was like a little like, "Ooh, what's that feel like?" I haven't, I haven't experienced that in a while. <laughs> like you watch him, and he does kind of have a weird. He kind of has a weird gait in general. He kind of sways side to side as he walks yeah. in general. So like maybe it was a little bit of that, but I was just like, that was just so that was just such shock that somebody hit him. No, I hope they continue to hit him. Because this is football. Respect that man by hitting him on the way out of bounds. It's disrespectful to just let him waltz out of there.
1: You know what's funny though? Uh I meant to see this when I saw it. It was a mic'd up. Uh the Chiefs like have a, a player they select every week that's mic'd up on their sure. YouTube channel. And it, I forgot what game it was, but it was sometime this year and Mahomes was mic'd up and somebody hit him. And like, it's this thing that he does all the time when they hit him, he'd be like, good hit, boy, good hit. And pass him on the butt and stuff like that. And he said he does that to make sure like maybe next time they hit him, they a little ease up a little bit more because he like c- congratulates them when they hit him every single time.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, Andrew Luck was famous for that. Yeah, yeah. He'd be like, good play. As he's got his ribs crushed and he <laughs> needs to go into the medical tent, he's wheezing. Hey, that was a great sack. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's something that I fundamentally disagree with, and I'm going to be furious if it happens. If Brock Purdy wins the MVP this season, I'm going to be infuriated. I'm going to oh. lose my. I'm going to be. I'm going. Are we on the same page there? I'm 100% with you on that. Because and it and it's not a major like knock to Brock Purdy. He's doing everything he's asked to do right now. That's amazing. But the idea that he is the engine behind that team is one that is feels intellectually dishonest if you are actually watching. Yeah. Like I, he makes good throws. I'm not trying to take that away from him. He doesn't turn the ball over. And right. that is a high bar because a lot of these guys in this league turn the ball over and met, like Desmond Ritter would not look like Brock Purdy. And if he was playing for San Francisco, right. I don't believe that to be true. Right. right. You know what I'm saying? Or uh, Derek Carr would not look like this in San Francisco. Like, I don't believe that to be true.
1: And all right? you got to say is Jimmy G didn't look like
0: this in San Francisco. Right. Exactly. But the fact remains, guys, like they got the the best skill position to me. I should say the you could argue best, quote unquote, to me, most versatile skill positions in the league. They can hit you any different types of ways, especially when you got Christian McCaffrey, who is like the cherry on the top, as opposed to the like. You know, he Christian McCaffrey is the racing stripe on the Ferrari instead of the engine. You know, like when you when he could operate in that capacity, that's how you end up getting 17 touchdowns in 13 weeks. But how can you have a guy who is in MVP consideration when someone else on his team has 17 touchdowns in 13 weeks?
1: I mean, I'll take it a step further. You're talking about just in a league today. How about like since we've been watching football like in our whole entire lives? I mean, you have Christian McCaffrey, you have Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, who would be a number one on a lot of teams in the league, and George Kittle, is probably your fourth option. Like, let, let that sink in. George Kittle is your fourth
0: option. How many you said, t- Those are like three all pros, dude.
1: Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and you have the best left for- tackle in football, a guy named Trent Williams. You know, just some guy named Trent Williams. Not a big deal. <laughs> and we saw them... When they didn't have Trent Williams and Debo for three weeks, and they went 0 and three, right? 0 three. Mm-hmm. I mean, a- accurate. <laughs> I'm just saying. So yeah, this is probably the most aligned we've been on a take that may be controversial, like ever. Okay, I, mean, I couldn't agree with you more on this.
0: And uh, and the other MVP take that I have, if you're not going to in a year in which scoring is historically down. If you're not, if you are going to shoot one a quarterback, that's one thing. But if not, I don't know how you don't see Tyreek Hill as, as as at least top top three, top two for the MVP race, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we agree once again. I mean, you said before the show, and I, I didn't think about it like that, but now that you say it, it makes a lot of sense because my top two are Dak and Tyreek Hill and the Cowboys and Miami Dolphins play in a few weeks here. I believe, on Christmas 16. Eve. Yeah, they played Christmas, Christmas Eve, Eve in Miami. So that game could go a long way in determining MVP. And I, I think, for me, is Dak right now because, obviously, the quarterback situation, we get that. But I think there's still a really good chance they win that division. And I think if that happens, it's going to be hard not to give it to them, considering it's been the Eagles as the top team in the league all year, That's been the thing, right? They just find ways to win. And if the Cowboys somehow actually end up winning that division versus Miami, you have a down Buffalo right now. The Jets are obviously awful. The Patriots are maybe the worst team in the league. I think that goes a long way in helping his argument. If he continues to play near this level with the schedule picking up, because obviously people talking about he hasn't beat anybody really. Well, now you have the Eagles coming up. You have the Dolphins coming up. You have the Bills coming up. So their schedule is going to get a lot tougher. And if he continues to play at this level and they're still winning games, I think it's going to be Dak. But Tyreek has a great argument as
0: well. Tell you what, you know who needed a bye week at that time? The Bills. Whew. That was – they were thanking their lucky stars and have to play. Uh, Trevor Lawrence leads the game with – excuse me. Trevor Lawrence leads the game with a sprained ankle last night. I thought his leg was broken the way he reacted. And then – There's two things that like everybody was like losing their minds because they didn't have a cart. And I'm like, if the guy could walk, why can't he walk? I don't, I don't know what the, what do they think he's going to trip and fall and hurt it more? Like, I'm not, (laughs) I don't know what the big, the big hullabaloo was about it. Like, why everybody was so upset that he didn't have a cart. But the other thing that gets me is, because this is the thing. We do this podcast on Tuesday. So, like, we've heard some of the reaction already from the Sunday and Monday games. I don't give a damn what Dom DeSanto's job was or what he means to the Philadelphia organization. You can't touch the players, bro. Like, you just can't do it. Like, what are you doing <laughs> on the sidelines so close that an opposing team's player can somehow reach out and poke you in the nose? Like, that's your fault. I'm okay. Like if, if you you we've been on sidelines. If not for NFL games, for other games, the number one rule is avoid the players. There are people whose job it is to break it up. And who uh, if I'm De- Dre Greenlaw, I'm like, who is this guy? And I'm like, I saw everybody on Twitter talking about, oh, that's big dumb, that's big dumb, ha 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 ha. That's not cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what? He's a he's a legend in Philadelphia, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I just don't understand. Like, I don't understand why everybody's okay with okay. Everybody's okay with this, right? I shouldn't say everybody's okay with this, but there's a a, a contingency of people who are like, "Oh, Dom Desanto was in the right somehow." But when Devontae Adams pushes a cameraman out the way on the way out, out of Kansas City, they charge him with assault. Like, what are we talking? Like, you can't touch the players, bro. It's like going to the, a concert and walking on the stage. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do that.
0: Uh, <laughs> like, what, like, what
1: are you doing? A weird, weird thing. And you know what's even uh, sadder Sadder about the situation is that, that that shows how bad this game was because we we're leading with that instead of actually talking about the game that was played on the field. And this is supposed to be the game of the year. Uh, <laughs> One last thing on the Dom
0: thing. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I feel like that is is a direct reflection of your coach being a complete jerk. Mm. Like, Sirianni is a jerk. And we see him, and I'm using the word jerk because I know that there's kids that listen to this podcast, (laughs) right? He's all tight. I mean, he is the most pretentious. Like, like who are you, fanboy? Like walking off of Kansas City the way he walked off. Like he's the one. You know what it is? He's the worst winner I've seen. Like he he wins in such a, a way that is just like act like you've been there before, and it just trickles down all the way across. And if Jalen Hurts wasn't like 80s R&B singer, solid, like, I think we would look at this organization in a different way. That's
1: the irony of it. Because Jalen Hurts is the complete opposite. He's like very professional at the podium. You know, shout out to Colin Cowherd. He's hat forward. Forward. He's a hat forward guy (laughs) for sure. (laughs) He's not playing around. Uh, He gives the right answers. You know who would be the perfect quarterback? Well, I use perfect in a loosely Mm -hmm. way here. Imagine if Baker Mayfield was a quarterback for exactly,
0: exactly, (laughs) exactly. Like Nick Sirianni would definitely go out there and headbutt his players with no helmet on. Like what? Oh, that would be a
1: match made in heaven.
0: (laughs) It'd be a match made for TV. That's for sure. But yes, (laughs) the the Forty Nine ers laid the wood to the Eagles, who I've really have felt like have been dancing through the raindrops the last few weeks. I predicted the Bills that were going to beat them, and they probably should have. And you know what else, Mark? Spoiler alert to the next segment. I think the Cowboys beat them too.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not going to give away my spoiler yet, but I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, like I mentioned, they're in danger of potentially losing that division. Now, fortunately for them though, out after that game, look at their schedule. They're probably going to win out. I mean, they've the Giants twice. I think the Cardinals and then the Command, no, is it the Commanders again? I think it's, it's somebody weak, but like,
0: but I'll say that go look at the Sirianni history against the commanders. It's interesting. I'll say that. That is,
1: that is true. That is true. That is
0: true. That was a team that broke their undefeated streak last year.
1: That is fair. That is fair. Um, but, yeah, I, they were due for a game like this. Now that I think it was going to be 42 to 19. Hell no. Definitely not. But, I mean, they've been playing with fire, man. And you play a team like the Niners that executes at a high level – they don't give you opportunities to stay in games when you're meddling and playing around and not playing your best. And you look up, and you're down by 14 points. And I think it all started with the tone early. You had a chance, but then you settle for two field goals. If you at least turn one of those into a touchdown, 10 nothing. that game is completely different. There's no way in my mind you get blown out, get boat raced if you at least score one touchdown in the first quarter. He left the door open and they 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 ran through it.
0: Uh is there anything else before we close the door on uh week 13 of the NFL slate that you'd like to touch on?
1: more game. I think we got to touch on the Houston and Denver
0: game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I yeah. oh! went eight and three, and one of the three was Russell Wilson throwing three red zone interceptions. Oh lee. <laughs> it made me so mad. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was a that was an interesting game.
0: Um, CJ Stroud didn't play well. He did not. He I, he has been uh, a rookie the last two weeks. Yeah, like, he played good enough to win both weeks. Obviously, yeah. um, with them losing on a doink field goal, or that would have extended the game, and then obviously uh, they won this one. But he has kind of the the shine has come off a little bit. Of CJ Stroud, which means... but I mean, the shine was so bright. If you didn't have glasses, you couldn't see prior. It's not so. It's not a knock on CJ at all. Yeah, for sure. Derek uh, Stingley went nuts.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did that second pick he had. That was super impressive. I didn't think that was actually. A, a terrible throw. I mean, Russell Wilson could have led him, obviously, a little bit more on that. Yeah, it wasn't a bad throw, but it it, it wasn't a, a bad throw. That was just a hell of a play defensively.
0: Absolutely, it was it was an incredible play. And that Texans defense, you know, I, I say they uh, they sometimes will give up some points, but they got a lot of guys on that defense that are that are high level. Like Will Anderson's pretty high level, obviously. Derek Stingley, like I just said, I like the safeties. Uh, Ward with the interception to close it out. Like, I I, I like this team. Yeah. But I definitely th- – because the whole strategy for Denver is Russ throw less than 200 yards and run for more than 200 yards. And let's, let's not let Russ beat us. And uh, he did. Right. But, yeah,
1: we can move on in week 14, man. It's a good slate. I'm excited for this one, actually. We finally wow. have some meaningful
0: games. Let's take a break. First of all, every game means something. Let's take a break and then dive into week 14. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesar's Palace. All of this can be yours when you bet with Caesar Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code Full, and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, you keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get the stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia and Wyoming only new users in the first $10 wager only must register with the eligible promo code bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is held as a loss bet maximum bonus bet. $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. No one to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona call one 800 next step. Colorado, Wyoming, and Kansas. Call one 800 522 4700 Indiana call one 800 9 with it. Iowa call one 800 bets off. Louisiana call 1-877-770-stop. Massachusetts, call one 800 Three two seven five zero five zero, or visit gambling helpline ma.org, Michigan, call 1 800 270 7117, Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia. West Virginia Ohio and Pennsylvania if you or someone you know has a gambling problem. Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. All right, Mark. So you're one of these people that likes to say, "Oh, look at all these great games on the slate." Just like last week's game of the year ended up being a 42 19 blowout. And I'm there's something special in every football game. They're all their own little stories that have their own little endings, and they all grow together to build this big mosaic of a quilt, none bigger than the other. But what do you like? What would you like to start with? Week 14. <laughs> Oh, man, you're so poetic,
1: man. I like when you do stuff like that. But uh, let's let's start it off, man. Actually, I got six games, not five, because I couldn't just do five this week. Uh, I feel like I had to get another, another one in there because I like the slate so much. But let's start off. Let's go to Cleveland. How about that? Northeast, Northeast Ohio. The Jacksonville Jaguars are traveling there. Take on the Browns. Right now, the Browns are getting your classic minus three treatment at home where are you leaning on this one? And obviously we're in limbo with Trevor Lawrence. He has a high ankle sprain. They said they're going to see how he is the next couple of days. I would imagine he doesn't play this week, but just putting that out there.
0: Bro football doc last night, uh, Dr. Chow, David Chow was saying that he, he did expect Trevor Lawrence to be playing before the end of the season. Uh, See, he was thinking, you know, thought it was an ankle sprain, but again, he's watching from his TV, just like you and me, but he does have years of medical experience. Uh, yeah, with this one, I'm definitely going under 36. Oh, yeah. 1,000%. <laughs> Browns always have, like,
1: these low, like, over-unders. Like, I feel like they had, like, a 33 one, like, a couple weeks ago, I
0: think, against Pittsburgh, I, I think it was. Well, you know, uh, yeah. when you're starting the combination of P.J. Walker, Joe Flacco, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, there you go. You know, especially when you consider some of the weather that happens in the mistake by the lake also known as Cleveland, but uh, uh I'm not have not been a big Jaguars guy all year. I haven't really been a believer. I kind of like to sit there and think what do they do well, you know? And yeah, I've been struggling to to answer that now. Uh sunshine is hurt. So I, I guess I'll go I'll go with the Browns and later and take the points. You don't sound too enthused about taking the Browns in this spot. No, absolutely. I mean, I don't feel too enthused about taking the Browns in this, but these are two teams I expect to struggle down the stretch. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know when when is going to come for either one, but I do expect them to kind of falter down the line. And, you know, for the Jaguars, eventually open up the AFC South. And by the way, I did
1: my weather check. They're expecting a 76 chance of rain, 76 percent chance of rain and the winds over 20 miles per hour. (laughs) <laughs> See, like,
0: that's that doesn't even make sense.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the mistake by the Lakers, right? I'm gonna take the Browns as well, reluctantly, kind of like you did. They are, I believe, five and one at home, they do well there. I mean, no Trevor Lawrence, I have no faith in CJ Beathard, especially in those elements against the Browns defense, which has kind of given up a little bit of things. Uh, especially last week, but I think um, I think they'll be get back in stride this week against the uh, Trevor Lawrence-less Jaguars and cover three. But I could see a, I could definitely see a push where this is like a thirteen to ten or ten to seven or something crazy like that.
0: I'll say this: if you wanted to do like a same, I'm not a super big same game parlayer, or same game teaser, whatever. But if you wanted to tease the Browns and the over, you mean the I mean, under? I'm sorry. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I'm about to say, yeah. Yeah, if you want to tease the Browns and the under, there's no way there's going to be more than 40 points scored in this game. And if that's the case, then like you can get the Browns up, you know, plus, you know, eight or nine, then you're in good shape. Yeah, 100%. 100% agree
1: with you on that one. Next game, we're staying in the same division as far as the home team goes. Kind of intrigued by this matchup. Got the Rams who have gotten hot all of a sudden, Martin. They're traveling to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Right now, the Ravens are seven-point favorites. I'll take the lean on this one. I'm not going to be a fool again. Every time the Ravens are a big favorite at home, I go the opposite way, and they just beat them by 30 points. Now, do I think this is going to be the same case as far as, like, just a complete blowout? No, I don't. I think losing Mark Andrews is a big deal. This Ravens offense is not the same without him. Not only does, it, does he do a lot in the passing game, but in the running game for them as well. He's one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. So I, I think the combination of that definitely hinders this offense. Because Now you're relying a lot more on OBJ, not just a filler guy now. You're actually relying on him to make big plays for you throughout the course of the game. I like Zay Flowers a lot, obviously, but I, I think their offense is, is kind of in neutral at this point. But with all that being said, that defense is super, super stout. I, I also, if you want to take a little side bet, take it down for Matthew Stafford anytime interception. I think this is a, a prime game that you throw a pick in. In Baltimore, sure, there's going to be some elements there as well. So I love that play as well as a side play, but I'm taking the Ravens minus seven.
0: All right, Mark, we've been in this position a few times this year, right? Yeah. Detroit team top of the NFC at the time. It's really still at the top of the NFC. They go into Baltimore. Pounded. Seattle yeah. goes into Baltimore. Pounded. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's going to happen? The Rams are going to go into Baltimore and get pounded. Lamar Jackson, I think, has one loss, if not undefeated, against the NFC. Right? And I don't. I thought it was hocus pocus witchcraft initially, but I think there's some science to it. Like, I think there's really some science. Like, you rarely see this guy, you're never preparing for him. And, like, it's not like you can just throw in your scout team quarterback and say, Hey, go play like Lamar Jackson. You know, like, that doesn't, you would need like a running back and a quarterback mixed into one, which is what Lamar Jackson kind of is in the first place. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'll take the Ravens here and I'm going to take them big. I think they win, and I think they win this one by at least two scores. And it feels like the type of game that the Ravens might cover the the total by themselves.
1: So you're telling me that you can't throw in Carson Wentz or Stetson Bennett as the fake Lamar Jackson
0: this week? You know what? I forget is Stetson Bennett still on the the Rams roster? He's their third string quarterback. Yeah. They might actually be able to play a decent Lamar Jackson in practice because he does have some yeah. wheels, but for, yeah. for his 27-year-old self. <laughs> that's invented.
1: He's probably a sad uh, puppy this week about his Bulldogs. But um, that's another story for another day. Uh, let's go to another game. The aforementioned Colts, So you were starting to get a little high on. They're traveling. We're staying in the AFC North, man. It's been a theme. They're traveling to Cincinnati. Take on the Bengals. This is an interesting game. The Bengals right now are actually one-point underdogs at home. The Colts are one-point favorites in Cincinnati and Paycor Stadium. The over-under is at 40 even. Where do you lean on this one? I think I know where you're going.
0: I'm going to go with Indianapolis. Shane Steichen, to me, has shown through 13 weeks that he is able to game plan around things, and I think that is one of the marks of a really good coach. I mean, even when you look at some of their losses, they hung like they almost hung 40 on the Browns, dude. Like Browns with Miles Garrett and and uh, Denzel Ward, and at the height of their defense, is carrying this team powers. They almost hung 40 on them, and if there hadn't been so many ridiculous calls at the end of that game, I we'll think we would have looked at it in a different way. Uh, so I'm, I'm taking the Colts here. The Bengals have one of the worst defenses in football this year. And this just has proven in and out that they are really, really missing their safeties. And Jesse Bates, who is now in Atlanta, and by my vote, if I had one, would be that he would be one of my All Pro safeties.
1: Yeah, not mad at that at all. I, I struggle with this game, I, I, it, and the line kind of indicates that, right? Being at one point favorite on the road, it's a tough one for me, but. I think I'm going to lean Cincinnati, man. I think you I'm going to lean You fell in Cincinnati, love with Jake man. Browning
0: last night, didn't you? I did, man. I did. I knew it was going to come. I, did, I knew it was, it was a popular opinion, and I'm not there. Tiana just had the same one. I was like, I'm I not did, there man. yet.
1: But it's not fully about him, though, as we mentioned before. It's about what's around him. And sure. Something I noticed yesterday, and I would be curious to watch as this moves forward. That was the first time all year – that Jamar Chase got single coverage. And like that play, that 70-yard bomb, that was not available when Joe Burrow was the quarterback. So do teams start still play them like that? Because it's not Joe Burrow. And like, oh, okay, we can kind of get away with it because it's this Jake Browning guy. Or do they still respect him as if there's still a, a competent quarterback back there and still play with the two high safeties? That is the conversation that needs to be had about this Bengals team moving forward because, like I mentioned, they never saw that ever all year. You don't – you can find me a highlight when Burrow was the quarterback this year where they had a, a go ball, one-on-one one with Jamar Chase. There is none. They, it didn't exist. The only time you saw it was the first year when they were together. After that, team said, hell no, nah. we're going to put a blanket over the top. So I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on that. I know we like to get into you like get into coverages and stuff like that. What's your take on that uh, situation?
0: My take is if you're not shading over the top of Jamar Chase, you you deserve everything that's coming. No up matter who's him. the quarterback, no <laughs> matter who's the quarterback. Like, what do you yeah. mean? That yeah. dude is different, man. Like, yeah. but the thing that Cincinnati does pretty well, I think is they find ways to get him the ball in other, in other ways. You know what I'm saying? So if you want to double him, all right, cool, let's run a hitch. You know, yeah. like you want to shade. it. But if you do not have a safety rotating over to the top of Jabbar Chase, then you deserve everything that's coming to you. It's just yeah. point blank period because yeah, he, he has shown he will go get that thing. I agree. I agree. I agree
1: 100%. All right, next game on a slate I got. We're going out to the West Coast out here to Northern California. We're the San Francisco 49ers, who everybody is saying is the Super Bowl champions already. Might as well crown them. Give them number six right now, Martin. Give Brock Purdy MVP. Nobody's beating this Niners team. They're invincible. They're at home against the Seattle Seahawks, who have disappointed me and you greatly this year. And right now, the Niners are 10.5-point favorites, over under at 46.5. Are you back in Seattle with this big number? Yes. You're still doing it. You're doing it again. Well, it well up, I mean, I, look. Against the Cowboys. It did probably against well, the Cowboys, but the Niners. Just saying, are, like. But this, we did it with the, the Niners on Thanksgiving, didn't we? And
0: it backfired. I, the Seahawks are not. Are they as good as I expected them to be? No. But, like. What do you think the line would be if it was 49ers Cardinals this week? Like 12, 13? Like you don't like
1: the I, Seahawks, I
0: think I think I will get it's about 14. Okay, See, even still. Are we saying that Seahawks are only 4 points better than the Cardinals or like like I, I can't this say like such a Patriots bad Patriots matchup
1: a for the Seattle, right? dude. Like I just think it's a terrible matchup.
0: <laughs> still even still 10 and a half is too many points. The Gino will walk me through the back door. Like that's a gotta, it's gotta, I just can't imagine. And plus too, you got this, the 49ers, they come back from a very charged up game when they came out and, you know, Debo was talking more trash than uh river parish disposal all summer. And all of a sudden, He, you know, boom, four touchdowns, he's waving bye-bye, you know, now they're doing a little victory lap full of themselves, like you said, everybody's talking about how great they are, Brock Purdy is finally getting quote-unquote recognition because he's the odds-on favorite to win the MVP right now, which I really, we one day, not today, but someday we need to sit down and have a conversation about what the odds-on favorite means, because it doesn't mean that he's going to win it. (laughs) Like <laughs> It just means that right now he's taking a lot of money and they're trying to dissuade you from betting. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what it means. But anyway, we get that. That's a different story for a different <laughs> podcast. Um, But they're finally kind of giving him the credit, giving him the flowers. And uh, anyway, I just think the Seahawks will be able to keep it close. They, they showed up to play last week. Pete Carroll is a, is a, is an actual head coach in this league. You know what I'm saying? He's not, there's like 10 guys who, aren't getting fired regardless, you know what I'm saying? And everybody else is at play, whether or not they're just in their first few years or in their you know, year three or four or five of this might be a little ugly. Like Pete Carroll is one of the mainstays in this league. I expect the Seahawks to be ready and keep it close.
1: Yeah, I got the Niners, man. I think they win by at least two touchdowns. I just think it's such a terrible matchup. Their physicality of the Niners, and they can run the ball in Seattle at will, Uh, I think they get up on them early and it forces Seattle to get out their game plan because they're going to have to be balanced and have ball control to keep this game close. The Niners get up early big, get up early on them. I I just think it just throws everything out of whack and things can spiral downwards for uh, Seattle. The next game, these last two games, I think are obviously the two most biggest games of the week. Kansas City at home. Against Buffalo, right now the Chiefs are two-and-a-half point favorites. The over unders at 47 and a half. I love the under, by the way. I think that's way too many points. I mean, it's a big game. You're Tomorrow, Buffalo, Tina's fighting for their playoff lives. And the Chiefs, I think they have to win out, in my estimation, to get the one seed to keep the Arrowhead Invitational alive and well. I'm going to start off with this one. I'm taking Buffalo, minus two, uh, plus two-and-a-half. And that doesn't mean I think Buffalo wins. I think it's going to be like a really like one or two, I think it's going to be one of them really really close games coming to the very very end. But for some reason, Josh Allen in the regular season in Arrowhead, well, I guess in the playoffs too, uh, he loves to play his best ball there. Like he does not turn the ball over there. He plays excellent, efficient football when he comes to Arrowhead. For some odd on reason, now this will be the best Chiefs defense he's faced thus far in his career. But I I think the Bills are super, super desperate. They're coming off a bye week. They should have beat the Eagles. Ever since they fought, endorse the offense has actually looked better. I don't know if that's a correlation or not, but I'm just saying. Uh, But the Chiefs come off a loss as well, which is why this matchup is very, very fascinating to me. But I think it's going to be a really good game. But I like Buffalo with the points.
0: Yeah, I'm going to take Kansas City. uh, Again, now... Has the Chiefs' offense been as good as years past? No, absolutely not. But you know what really impressed me? They were running what? the ball. They were running the ball <laughs> against Green Bay. They were running. The, oh, look at this. I was like, well. that's you start crying? You tears coming out of your face? <laughs> I, I look, it was beautiful. It was beautiful for me to see, to let them. Because the thing is, Chiefs got dudes. Creed Humphrey is a dude. Trey Smith is a dude. You know what I'm saying? Go in between these tackles and go move men against they will. And that's what they did against Green Bay, who's a – pretty good defense considering the offensive struggles that they've had prior to the last four weeks in which Jordan Love had his best game of his career in four consecutive weeks but prior to that you know it wasn't necessarily uh, burning the world on fire offensively but Green Bay's defense was still able to keep them in a lot of close games which is part of the reason why the Packers ended up on my no bet list because I'm like Jordan Love just turn the corner dude (laughs) get better like why aren't you rising to the occasion oh wait okay but yeah, no, I'm taking the Chiefs here. Patrick Mahomes less than a field goal is almost an automatic bet for me. Uh now it has not cashed at least one time this year when um, they played the Lions. But yeah, I think that uh yeah, Patrick Mahomes less than a field goal, especially coming off of a loss. Like uh, and the other thing, like I've seen your tweets calling for more Kadarius Tony. I don't know about that. If that is the solution, but uh I do think what the solution is. Is to run the ball, possess the ball, and it's really hard to lose when you got the rock. You know, so and like to, so I think that, I think even though they lost that game, thing in the second half, you saw you saw the ability of of the Kansas City if if Andy Reid will just do it, they will can run the ball, and especially when you're looking at, I mean, MVS and Sky Moore under one and a half receptions is like the line. It's the line now. Like, that's just what it's set at. You know, like, they, they are, like, the offensive pass catchers are not there in the same way. This Chiefs offense needs to be one that is, is methodical and, and building drives. You They're not going to be able to score in the same home run way that they have in the past. And I think that they are finally starting to get that. You know what I mean? Like, they're finally starting to understand that, like, yo, some of these... Because the whole, a lot of times we would, we would have these debates going back years now. would be like, oh, that's just like a run play. Like when you throw the screen, it's just like a run because it's not, though. It's not just like a run because a run is just like a run. And I think when you see a guy like Pacheco and the way he was running, and honestly, hopefully he's okay because I know he, like, didn't leave the game due to injury. But some of those hits to his legs were just, how did you not leave the game due to injury? He
1: wiggled. You said he wiggled his way out of having an injury. Like yeah. that was crazy. I never seen that before.
0: <laughs> so, but I, all in all, I'm still taking the Chiefs. Uh, I'm taking the Chiefs here my, minus two and a half. And if it dies, it dies. Like uh, that, uh, that's that. Th- it is a terrible in retirement strategy to bet against Patrick Mahomes as a favorite less than a field goal.
1: In the last game of the week, we want to talk about, I think everybody knows where we're going here. You already kind of teased who you got winning, but I wonder do you have them covering the spread. The Philadelphia Eagles are traveling to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. The Cowboys have a chance to tie for first place here in the NFC East. Right now, the Cowboys are three and a half point favorites. That half is very, very important here. The over-under is high, 53 even. Wow, it's a high number. Uh, there should be a lot of points in this game, though. Where do you lean?
0: I think the Eagles cover and the Cowboys win. Okay. I think this is going to final score 27 to 24. Okay. like I think it it ends up being like probably like a a solid or, uh, you know, the chiefs are, I mean, not the chiefs, the Cowboys, rather driving to score a game winning touchdown, like on the Eagles defense that has been suspect in the secondary and linebacker core all year to the point that they signed Shaq Leonard from Indianapolis, who, I mean, you try to find a Shaq Leonard highlight tape of this year. Spoiler alert, it's hard, right? They, okay. they, they, The Eagles have ran in so far Shaq Leonard, Miles Jack. Um, I'm trying to remember, N'Kobe Dean in and out of the lineup, but he's actually was a, an Eagle prior. He got drafted by the Eagles. Didn't, they sign, didn't
1: they sign Seward at one point? <laughs> or was that, that was the, last year last year but i'm just saying yeah. just the whole like get the veteran like narrative like a guy that's probably over the hill <laughs>
0: yeah i don't have a problem with it like hey, yeah, yeah. yeah you know what go out and take a shot if you especially if you got a team you feel like can compete for a super bowl but uh yeah i'm gonna take the cowboys here to win and the eagles to cover and i think it goes under but just by a smidge
1: I actually got the Cowboys covered. I think they went by a touchdown in this game. I think they try to send a message there. This team is really, really good at home. I think the Eagles' uh, ego was a little bruised this past Sunday, and I don't think it gets uh, repaired within a week. So I, I love the Cowboys here in this spot. But that half does look a little tricky. That's why I mentioned it. It does look a little like suspect. I ain't going to lie to you, Martin. But I'm going to still ride with the Cowboys with the three and a
0: half. This, this, this just in, per Adam Schefter, head coach Doug Peterson declined to rule out the possibility of his quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, returning to play Sunday against the Browns. So who knows? Maybe I, I tweeted this to Eddie and, and Jen Piacenti for waiver wired a little bit later down the day. Uh, they'll record that and release it. But this fantasy football podcast on this illustrious network, I tweeted them. I had Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. How screwed am I? I'll hang up and listen. Maybe I'm not so screwed after all. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. I don't think he plays this week, though. I think it's all smoke screen. I don't think so either. But I do know one thing I'll be playing, and that's a lemon pepper parlay. Let's take a break and get to that coming up next. All right, Mark, what's your lemon pepper parlay? We've been talking too long. Hurry up.
1: (laughs) All right, I'm going to keep it simple here. I got the, not the Cowboys, the Cleveland Browns on the money line at home against the Jaguars. Um, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to play. I really don't. So I like them at home. They're 5-1 at home. And I'm pairing that with the Ravens covering the spread. We mentioned that earlier. They always cover these big spreads at home against like the new hot shot team of the week. Something that continues this week. And I got both those plays at plus two oh three.
0: That's cute. If you want to make some money though, you can play this one. Four and a half to one, right here, plus four forty. I'm taking the Broncos on the money line and the Raiders on the money line. I don't know who the Vikings are to be laying three against uh, the Raiders. Aren't like just terrible, like they're, they're they're not just they're not great, but they're also just they're just strongly mid, and that's fine. But you know, Vikings laying three, give me, I'll just right, take not, them to you're win. You not scared of Jets coming back? No, Josh okay. Dobbs is Josh Dobbs to the quarterback, right? Okay, all right. Cool. I remember the first 10 games of the season, unlike everybody else who forgot them. As soon as <laughs> Kirk Cousins got hurt and Josh Dobbs got traded to Minnesota. like I remember those Arizona games. <laughs> I, I watched a lot of them. Uh, and then, yeah, so I'll take the Broncos because I don't believe that the Chargers will be able to stop the run. And if Chargers can't stop the run, guess what? Sean Payton ain't going to throw it. So he's not going to let Russell beat him two weeks in a row. This is going to be a masterclass 15 for 19 for 175 yards out of rush. One passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown. Watch. and a win. Well, good luck this week, buddy. Good luck to you too, pal. You need it.